Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 379 with Barney Feinberg. Barney has an interesting take on what is it that makes up this feeling of chemistry, simpatico, between people, and what disrupts it, and what can you do to actually generate more chemistry and less friction? So you'll learn, one, how to identify your values from life's peak moments, two, approaches for discovering the values of others from what they say, and three, how we end up settling in our relationships. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, or the links to items we've referenced, it's on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F379. And while at awesomeatyourjob.com, I hope you'll check out some of our nifty things. One nifty thing is the Gold Nugget email list, which gives you summary insight, wisdom from Barney and the 378 guests that came before him in a quick email you can read under two minutes or just access the vault of, of all the Gold Nuggets at any time. So that's called the Gold Nuggets over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Barney's story. Barney Feinberg began his career as a CPA learning the language of business. And at the age of 25, his career journey took him to live in Asia for seven years, where he was the COO for a large clothing conglomerate. They learned how to assimilate into a multitude of cultures, always with the purpose of building strong relationships at work. His career in executive placement began in 1994. And in 2002, he became a certified coach with the Coaches Training Institute. Over the past 45 years, he has worked with thousands of executives, coaching them on how to strengthen their chemistry factor for greater success. Big thanks to Barney for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Barney. Barney, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Pete. Well, I'm excited to dig into some of your perspectives when it comes to chemistry, but I want to maybe go back in time first. You at one point worked as a tennis instructor. What's the story behind this? Wow. (laughs) Well, tennis ran in my family. Uh, Since I was a little kid, you know, a tennis racket was put in my hand and everyone in my family played. And it's interesting that you bring up tennis because it happens to be something that really, when looking back and writing my book, there was a peak moment that really exemplifies what I'm sharing with people. Uh, If you'd like me to share that story, I'd be happy to. Well, I can't resist. Let's hear about a peak moment. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, tennis was everything. I mean, I was in high school playing on the tennis team. And, you know, my, my big ambition outside of that when I went to college was to make the team at college. So it's my, my freshman year, first week at school, and we're having tryouts. And what I find I'm so, myself doing is I'm playing not to lose, which inevitably Last day of practice, the coach came to me and said, I'm sorry you didn't make the team, which frankly was really embarrassing and devastating. I was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I had all this free time on my hands. So I joined a concert committee, grew my hair down to my shoulders, got a beard and a mustache, digging on you know groups that came to college, which were like Springsteen and some really good, good groups, Arlo Guthrie. So anyway, here I am overcoming this this major defeat and sophomore year rolls around and I show up for practice to try out again and the coach looks at me and says you're late you can't try out this year again a blow but I'm having a good time I never had so much time on my hands to really enjoy myself and get into the music so when my junior year came around it was my last chance and I wasn't really 
nervous about it. So I started playing my game and I was playing really, really well, fully expecting to make the team. And the last day of practice, the coach comes up to me and one of the other players that had been on the team for two years, he's also a junior, looks at both of us and says, you're going to play one set. The winner's going to make the team and the loser's not going to make it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So here I was suddenly wondering what happened because I had played this guy earlier and beat him. And it's beginning to dawn on me as we're walking to the cart, the coach says to him, go out and beat him. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy doesn't want me on the team. And then it dawns on me, well, he's ex-Navy and he's got a crew cut. And I'm wearing long hair and a mustache at this point. And I walk on the court again, playing not to lose. And, you know, inevitably it's 5-3. He's leading triple match point on his serve. And this is a big guy. He's, you know, ex-football player. And as I'm going to the ad court, expecting to lose, suddenly out of nowhere, across the quad, one of my favorite Grateful Dead songs comes on, China Cat's Sunflower, which has this real upbeat rhythm. And as I'm walking to the ad court, I transform. Suddenly I'm relaxed. Suddenly I'm smiling and I'm having fun. He hits his first serve in, I bang it down the line, I get a winner. He hits the next first serve in, I do it again. Next one, he double faults. He starts playing not to lose, and I make the team. And here's the interesting thing. What happened was the circumstance changed. The song shifted who I was in the moment from being disconnected from confidence to being totally connected to it because I shifted to having fun. Now that happened by just pure luck. I, I swear, I think it was angels above looking over me. But when I looked at it again, as I was writing this book, I realized that I value shifted. I shifted from what was disconnecting me to something that purely connected me and the results were inevitable. It obviously, it worked. And by the way, good news, the guy I played against, he stayed on the team. Well, yeah, I was, I was wondering, you know, yeah, it's, he stayed on the team. After this two really years, it's kind of off. intense to say, yeah, you're out if, <laughs> if this one match doesn't go your way. Well, that, that's really intriguing on, on many dimensions. And I want to kind of dig into your phrase. You said you were playing not to lose. Uh, and then later you said you were having fun. So what do you mean by playing not to lose versus All playing right. to have fun? What, what are the alternatives uh, along well, that here's, spectrum? Here's the deal. Playing not to lose is living in the expectation of winning. And some famous person once said that expectations are the mother of frustration. Okay. And when you look at work, how many times are we working with expectations in our mind? Yeah, gotcha. And so as opposed to... so As, as opposed to actually empowering your values. You know, expectations take us off the game. Expectations put us in the, in the finish line before we start the race. My daughter's a runner. If she's thinking about the finish line before the gun goes off, she's not going to run very well. It's going to seem like it's taking her forever to get there. But if she's thinking of the moment, if she's empowering, say, the value of confidence, and she's not looking at the future or the past, but in the moment, 
she's going to run a much better race. It's kind of like, do you ever get directions to go someplace and it seems like it's taking you longer than it should? Yeah. Yeah. So when you go back the same way, it seems to go a little shorter because now you know how to get there. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then, so playing not to lose means you're, you're thinking about the outcome, the, the end, the finish line, the expectation, as opposed to the moment, the having fun, the, the what's immediately in front of you right now. Whatever value you choose to empower. You know, it just so happened that fun came up when I was playing that tennis match with that song. It just brought me into that jovial place which took away anything about winning or losing away and just playing the game. Now, you've used the phrase a couple of times, the, the value that you empower. What do you mean by that? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a practice. So most of the time, we have a lot of values and what I call DNA values. DNA values are values that are ingrained in us, that we've brought up with, that create our success formula. and they more likely control us than we control them. When circumstances come about that disconnect us from a value that we find is important, life becomes hard, difficult. However, we have the ability to empower. So what is empower? It's the difference between being in love and thinking of being in love. It's story. And that's really what I focus on. I mean, when you look back in time, the communications that were most important in the tribe before there was the written word was from the storyteller. The storyteller would tell us stories that would empower or emphasize values that were important to us. I mean, you watch movies now. I can watch a movie and there's a scene that just catches me. It's empowering a value. And we have our own stories in life that empower values that are important to us. So imagine, instead of allowing the circumstances dictate who we are, we get to choose who we want to be by allowing that story to take us to that value in that moment. So you say that uh, that we're, we're choosing it as opposed to, hey, the song comes on and, and, and there you go. So maybe could you walk us through a couple examples in practice in terms of your kind of living and experiencing one thing and you make a choice to empower a value through story and then things are transformed. Okay. I could give you a story of someone that I've coached. Does that work? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, good. I have two professions, really three, but we'll talk to coaching and recruiting. I've been in, in executive placement for 25 years. And so as an executive recruiter, I was talking to one of my clients who was looking for a new job. Now, she'd only been with the company that she was with for six months. And I said, well, what happened? What makes you want to leave? And she said, well, you know, I took this job. I was really excited. And then I got this new boss three months into the job. And this boss is just a micromanager driving me crazy. And I'm like, wow, yeah. So we talked about it. And I, I started coaching her for a while. And what was showing up were certain values that were just disconnecting her. And this happens to us all the time at work. We just get numb to it. We just think that's just the way work is. But, you know, values such as independence, she didn't have any. 
She felt, oh my God, this woman's not giving me any independence. Very, very frustrating. She felt she wasn't trusted. You know, she felt efficiency wasn't being honored. All of these things were you're like really making it difficult for her to be effective and productive. So we talked about trust and she came up with a story after some, some coaching about where trust was everything for her. It happened to be with her husband on a ski slope going down a black and, you know, how much she trusted him to help her get down. And it, it all worked brilliantly. Every time she thought about that moment, trust was empowered. So I challenged her. I said, start empowering the value of trust with your manager. And it wasn't easy. It took her some time. But it took her some time because you, you can't just do it on a dime sometimes. It takes practice. So she got better and better at it. And suddenly the manager was trusting her because she was authentically trusting him. And that made the world a difference. You know, micromanagers drive themselves crazy more than anybody else. They overextend themselves because they have to check everything twice. When they can trust somebody to do the work, boy, it takes a lot of relief. Suddenly, life became a lot better for her. And she, she got promoted rather, rather quickly because not everybody was able to deal with this person as she was. Okay. So then the key then was she, reconnected to an experience and which sort of trust became all the more real and felt and lived an experience kind of like we said thinking about being in love versus actually being in love yes so she got there and then as a result she was able to bring that kind of an attitude to the the manager and treat her in a way as though she trusted the manager even though she wasn't maybe as, as naturally inclined to do so. She kind of summoned that up uh, from within her to... When you empower a value, that is your rule of conduct. Values are our rules of conduct. You know, they characterize your sense of self and are elemental in the actions you take. You can't fake it. But here's the deal. What was happening before she did that was she was making the manager wrong. Even if she wasn't saying it outwardly, inwardly, it, it is felt. The circumstance was dictating who she was. She was having these values that are on automatic pilot with her, which I said before, control her more than they control, than she controls them. They were coming up and saying, warning, warning frustration, anger, misunderstanding, uh, boredom, whatever it may be, they were putting her off the game and the manager will feel that. But when you're truly authentically connecting with somebody, the world changes. It changes 100%. By the way, I became really good friends with the guy that I played against. <laughs> he knew what was going on too. But it's something that is just permeates. You know, thank God it's Friday was invented because we get disconnected from our values throughout the course of the week. We don't even realize it's happening. We're numb to it. We're so used to it. But when we start learning how to empower our values consciously, the world changes. Suddenly, we can start looking at the values we have in common with people and choose to connect to those 
rather than the ones that disconnect us. Intriguing. So we use the example of trust. And so then can we dig into some more in terms of... I'd be happy to dig into one with you. How do you want, how do you like that? Oh, sure thing. Oh, good. Okay, great. Talking to you, I would imagine that collaboration is a good value for you. That's that's true. I do enjoy a good collaboration. It's kind of, it's fun. It's exciting. It's energizing. Great. So I want you to imagine that that's the value that you're holding important right now. That's the one that you are connecting to. All right. Now I want you to imagine that I'm connecting to independence. I want nothing to do with collaboration. How do you feel? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's just a little sad, you know, it's sort of like, Oh, Barney, well, we were going to have a fun time creating this thing together, but I, I guess, I guess we're not. Okay. That's just sort of disappointing. Right. Well, that's what happens. We get frustrated, angry, disappointed. I mean, whenever you're honoring a value that's not being honored in return, we put up a brave face. I've seen a lot of people who will smile on the outside and churn on the inside. And in fact, they get so used to it, they don't even realize they're doing it. But then they wonder why they're so tired and they need the weekend to recover. And it's because of that. But it begins with knowing yourself. So imagine now you're collaborating. That's what it's all about. And I am too. I love collaboration, in case you didn't realize it. <laughs> how do you feel now? Well, yeah, it's a lot of fun, I guess. But what I'm, what I'm thinking about, though, is how, how do we make the leap? How do we bridge the gap? Well, it's really a four-step process, the way I show it in my book. The first step tell. is to better know yourself. Okay. How many values do you think you have? Brene Brown says two. <laughs> God so, bless her. I mean, uh, but, I mean, I don't know. In a way, you could, I don't know. We'll, we'll say two to nine, you know, in that range. All right. So I'm going to say this to you. Most people will tell me two or three. And those that are really self-aware, maybe will be able to tell me 10. But those that are self-aware when they say 10, how long do you think it takes for them to actually be able to articulate them? Oh, maybe a lifetime. It takes a while. Trust me. It takes a while. We are very clueless to the values that we have. And I'm going to tell you, you have tens, you've had hundreds of values. But what we tend to do for convenience sake is we mesh them into a giant value, like the value of integrity. You look at most companies that have, these are our values, many of them will say integrity. And I'll applaud, I'll say integrity is a great value. And then I'll ask, how many values do you believe there are in integrity? Well, I mean, we could subdivide it no, infinite ways, you know, yeah, it, exactly. it covers everything from not like stealing to, uh, to not being late. Like, well, yes, exactly. Exactly. You're a hundred percent right. Yet here's the thing, you know, there may be, let's just use an arbitrary number, 30 values in integrity and maybe 29 of them you have in common with the person you're working with but you're connecting to the one that disconnects you. Crazy. Now you say I'm connecting with, what does that phrase mean? You are noticing that timeliness, as is an example, is not being honored. Okay, I'm connecting with, as I am noticing it isn't there. And, yeah. uh, and oh, it's the taking like, me off. <laughs> the person's, yeah. Right. Oh, and then you go to other values that, that, that affect it. Like, you know, my efficiency is being drawn down or, you know, I'm bored because I'm not getting anything done. I mean, all these things show up, but it's all about timeliness. So what happens? We get into a rut. Suddenly, 
say you're working. Look, I'm in, I work with advertising, public relations, media services. The, 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 those are my forte industries. Say you're working with a creative who consistently is late. <laughs> well, if every time you set up an appointment, that's in the back of your mind, you're already disconnecting from that value. You know, you might be smiling. Oh, you'll be there on time, won't you? But in the back of your mind, you think they're going to be late again. And because of it, they're going to be late again. Was it because of it, they're going to be late again? Can you say more about that? Sure. You're making them wrong. Okay. And, and as a result of me making them wrong, they respond in... By uh, either staying, you know, by either being late again, or they'll do something else because nobody likes to be made wrong. Nobody. And that's probably the biggest disease we have in business, is being made wrong. And people were taught to do that. That's how we were brought up. We were brought up in what I call a test society. I think they'll look back a thousand years from now and say, oh my God, these people were giving and taking tests every day of their life. And hey, not only were we taking tests, but we were taught to learn what we got wrong so we wouldn't repeat it. So we're always looking for what's wrong. A lot of us are really like that. Not all of us, but a lot of people are always looking for what we could do better and what someone else can do better. And it creates a lot of wrong. And people don't like being wrong. So you're saying that if, if someone's late, I value timeliness and I make them wrong. And whether I, I verbally express it or not, they are picking up that I am not too pleased with something about them. And then they react in a way that is unfavorable, kind of like a vicious cycle. Well, it gets to be, you know, Einstein gave us the, you know, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's kind of what we, we, we are on automatic pilot. We're on automatic pilot with people. You know, some people we just don't trust. There may have been something that happened years ago that they did that made us lose trust in them. And ever since then, we always question trust. Maybe we'll get over it. Maybe we don't. You know, trust is important, but it ain't everything. And sometimes because we're not trusting somebody, they're not trusting us. It just happens that way. So if you can connect with someone with a value authentically, you can't fake empowering a value. But if you're authentically connecting to someone with a value that you're empowering and they are empowering it at the same time, believe it or not, suddenly you start trusting each other. Again. So in the realm of the timeliness example, what would we do there? With timeliness? Yeah, so someone's on where late. You, think you connect with that person. You could go to sense of humor. You can go to so many different values. We have so many to choose from. I mean, maybe they appreciate honesty. Maybe they maybe it's, you know, maybe maybe there's something about the situation that calls for empathy. I don't know. I mean, but that the point is there are four steps. We're jumping the gun. Okay? First step is to know yourself better. And I challenge people to have at least 20 or 30 values that they can empower. Okay? Consciously. Because if the person's late and you're thrown to them being late and making them wrong, you're allowing the circumstance to dictate who you are. Just like when I was told you have one set and the winner take all and I, I sensed he didn't want me to make the team, I went automatically to playing not to lose, <laughs> being upset, all of that. So we do that all the time. We do that 
all the time. So you got your your twenty values that you can empower. So it's sort of like I would say gratitude. So I've got a Beautiful. I love that a one. story, an experience of gratitude, raring to go. So yes. it's sort of like it's in my repertoire to to yeah. summon it. And yes. then if I can pick up on, I guess we're jumping the gun again. If I could pick up on the notion that this annoying late person also values gratitude, yeah. then I can kind of change the the focus, yes, and, uh, such that uh, we're we're vibing on this shared gratitude value thing, and and thusly have more of a positive rapport and less of an I am irritated with this tardy person. You know, there's no such thing as perfection, okay? And we'll all have values that disconnect us from each other, and we'll all have values that connect us. We're just really good at noticing what's missing, okay? I mean, business teaches us to be that way, and we do that in relationship. And I'm a believer that the biggest asset any company has are the people they have in it and the talent. And if you know how to help people connect with each other, you're going to have much better productivity, much more satisfaction, you know, much more innovation. You know, when, when, when people disconnect with each other, we tend to listen more to ourselves than to the people we're talking to. Mm-hmm. You, ever, you ever notice that? When you're angry or upset, imagine you're in a meeting. <laughs> okay, you're in a meeting and the value of, I call it full expression. You have something to say in this meeting, but you're, you're basically being told to keep quiet and you want to say it. How do you feel? Well, yeah, I hear what you're saying there with regard to talking to yourself. You're just, you're sort of muttering like, oh, this is, this is bull crap. I've got, uh, yeah, they don't appreciate no, anything I have to offer, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But we're so numb to that. We, <laughs> we hear those voices. We don't even realize we're talking. We just think we're hearing the truth. So. I lost my train of thought there. You, you got me off a bit. But well, so we had four steps, and uh, all right. The second step: once you have, say, listed twenty values, the second step is to learn how to empower them, and that takes step by step process. What I do is I have people free write. I tell them to free free write a peak moment in their life, and I if you looked at my book, you'd see what I did with it. And you know, you free write a couple of paragraphs of a peak moment, and I can promise you, you'll learn at least 20 or 30 values from that one story. If you go through it a number of times, you'll see so many different values that pop up. That's cool. And once you list a number of stories, I I actually break it down. You know, I, I mentioned DNA values. They're values that are on automatic pilot that just show up all the time. And then there are other values we never even bring to work. That could be brilliant if we realized that we could actually use them. But we don't. We just go with what, what's on automatic pilot usually. So the next step is to find the story that empowers that value. It's your story. And if you can't find it, you can find a story that you've read about or a, a, a scene in a movie. Something that every time you think about it, it just lifts your soul. I'll tell you, there was, you know, once I realized songs helped me out in tennis, I could, I, I was listening to the Rocky theme song a lot when we were going to matches. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it really pumped you up. You know what that's like. That's what people, song is great. I mean, I use song as a trigger to empower values. Okay. 
once I have the value defined as to what my definition is, and it's mine, it's nobody else's, you know, I could have a definition of a value that's different from your definition, and we could disconnect. Or your value of A and my value of B are the same, but we have different names for it. I mean, it's really to get to know who you are. Once you have a better sense of who you are, ah, now it's easier to understand where you connect with others because now you understand it better. It's like if I go to Alaska and I look at the snow, which you were just talking about, I'd see three kinds. I'd see wet, dry, and icy because that's what I shovel. Okay, but if I spoke to an Alaskan, they'd say 50 kinds that you can drink from, that you can walk on, that you can camp on, that you're going to fall through. They have names for them. So once you start being able to better articulate your values, it's much easier to understand the ones that are connecting with you. I mean, oh, he's out of integrity. Uh, Okay, maybe you'll call it late. Maybe it's something else, but we generalize. We generalize it. And I think it's much more powerful to let them free, to really get to understand them better so that you know exactly where you're disconnecting and where you're not. So, and I will say this in every sentence, there are multiple values, multiple. And if you listen for them, you'll hear them. And you're not going to get them all in the beginning. It takes time. But all you have to do is find a couple. You know, and so when oh, I'm listening for them. Really works with him and I, or with her and I, her and her, whoever. I mean, wow! Suddenly, you've got the ability not to allow that circumstance to dictate who you are. And so, I guess with the listening, am I looking out for like strong emotion? Like, whoa, that person is um, mad about that, or oh, that person is like passionate about this thing, or oh, that person really seems to be quite disappointed by by this. Or what am I listening for to to zero in on the values? You know, I'll give you, you know, one of the things I help people do is learn how to listen for values in the interview process. Because I I say the most important factor in taking a job or hiring is the chemistry you're going to have with people. So I have them listen for values. I'm going to give you one sentence that I use, and I use a number, but I'll use this just one to give you as an example. So I have people ask, what makes you and your company successful? So usually when I'm talking to people about that, they've already listed 20 or 30 values in the conversation we've had. And then I say, just look at the values you have in front of you. Aren't they what make you a success? And generally speaking, they will agree. Absolutely. So with that in front of them, I give them a couple of sentences to understand how many values can be in one. So I'll give you one. What makes me and my company successful? Gee, that's a good question. What makes us successful? Well, we're always looking for better ways to accomplish the job, and we do a brilliant job. So now I'm going to ask you, what values did you hear in that? I'd say innovation, execution, maybe praise or celebration. Awesome. Okay. Let, Let me tell you what was intended. Gee, that's a good question. I just acknowledged you. Acknowledgement is a value. Some people really appreciate. Well, I thought they just needed time to think. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. But you're not going to get it. Look, you know, I, I don't want to be unfair. 
you have it's three it's four steps the first step is to know yourself better <laughs> it doesn't happen that quickly it takes time but if you t- do it step by step it's a practice it's not a one and done situation but if it, it's for people that really want to have a better way of connecting with each other and i think the better you connect the more successful you're going to be but just to go through that sentence quickly i'll just throw a couple out there acknowledgement full expression you know, I said, that's a good question. I may be someone who encourages other questions. You know, what makes us successful? I, I find, you know, reflective thinking an important value. You know, I just repeated the question. So maybe I'm a reflective thinker. You know, then we're, we're always looking for better ways. Strategic thinking, efficiency. We do a brilliant job. Dedication to excellence. And then what's peppered in there are three us and we, which could indicate collaboration, team play, whatever the value is, you choose to to name it, but you can see, oh my goodness, how many values are passed. What usually happens in a good conversation is people have a gut feeling. Gut feelings are great, but they're coming from your stomach. They're not coming from your head. And when you can actually understand what's causing it, and it's these values that are actually being showing up in the conversation, it gives you a lot more wisdom to make decisions and a lot more wisdom to know how to connect with people. And that's interesting how you said maybe there a couple of times. It's, it's sort of like you are, are generating hypotheses and then sort of finding further reinforcement with subsequent sentences. So it's like, oh, well, you know what? That collaborative thing only showed up once, but then the other showed up again and again and again and again. Maybe the collaboration was more of a fluke, you know, or, or a lesser value, you know, or from that one I sense. Maybe I misheard it. Maybe I was listening for what I wanted to hear and it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we, we go in on what I term a test mentality. If it's an interview, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to pass the test. And when we're testing, we're absolutely listening more to us ourselves and the people we're talking to. And it's when we're, I, I, I shifted. To listen for values, you want to be using what I term a field trip mentality. When you're on a field trip, there's much better chance you're in curiosity, open mind, and discovery. Three values that I, that I, I find really important. And what I do with everyone that I talk to, and you can do this right now, think of a moment when you were on a field trip or a vacation that was just amazing. Tell me when you get it. Oh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. How did that feel? Well, it was, about that vacation. It, was, it was... It was cozy. There was... Uh just great people just enjoying each other. We didn't actually do a whole lot. You know, we mostly stayed inside. It was very snowy out and it was a pretty remote location, but it was uh, just, just great times together where we, whether we were talking or playing video games or cooking or eating, it was just great fun. Imagine going into an RFP feeling that way rather than trying to pass a test. Imagine going on a blind date rather than, you know, that test mentality that generally shows up in a blind date conversation. Oh, I see there. So we use the vacation prompt to get us to a place of, hey, feeling good and enjoying in a relaxed way. Yes, here's the deal. If you're talking to someone and you're in that mentality and you're not feeling that way, I suggest it's probably disconnection from the person you're talking to, what is it that's disconnecting? Now, 
you know, if it's an interview, it's a good chance. Maybe that's not a person you want to work with every day. But if it's someone you're working with every day, what is it that's throwing us off? What are the values that are disconnecting us? And what are the values I'm hearing that would? Mm -hmm. And so once you've sort of identified, okay, I think this person values this and, and I've got that, you know, within me as well. So I'm going to try to, to bring it forth. I guess that's with either the music or the story or the memory. And then you're just kind of showing up and interacting with that person with that kind of in the background or of, of what's with, with going on for you. Being. You're being that. I mean, if you're truly empowering a value, it is dictating who you are. It clarifies your voice. It focuses your mind. It aligns your visions. It's who you are. And some people will say to me, gee, Barney, how come I have to change? Uh, <laughs> okay. Why should I be the one that changes? And I, say, I just think that's so funny because we just talked about making other people wrong. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like but people do this. They, they, they say, I, well, I'm right. They're wrong. I, a lot of people like being right. And it's being right is is fine. But when you're making others wrong because of it, it doesn't help you that much. It doesn't. Certainly is not going to build the relationship. And what I say to people that say this to me is you're being yourself. You're just choosing to connect rather than disconnect. I'm not asking you to be a value that doesn't, isn't who you are. I'm suggesting you try something that really will connect you and build bridges of connection to knock down the walls of disconnection that might have been there for a long time. That's cool. Thank you. Well, Barney, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Well, I would say one other thing we didn't get to discuss, and there are three types of uh, relationships. One is dysfunctional. One is stagnant. And one is on the rise. Dysfunctional, we know, we, we probably have had them. But on the rise is what I call out for everyone. However, unfortunately, most of us settle for stagnant, which means, yeah, we're connected. We are connected. We have values at work, Barney. And we've been using them for years and years and years. And I'm like, yeah. So if you were a business and you just kept doing it the same way over and over again for years and years and years, chances are you're not going to be as successful. So I challenge people to look for new values that can connect them to people, even the ones that they're connected to, because it can create a whole new opportunity for innovation and satisfaction. And I use a quote, you know, from Michelangelo, who said, the greater danger for most of us, is not that we aim too high and miss, but we aim too low and succeed. Got it. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, now could you share with us uh, a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? A favorite? Well, there was uh, something that came out for 2017, uh, SHRM, uh, Society for Human Resource Management. They looked at the satisfaction levels of people in 2017 at work. And they, they made an announcement that was the best they've seen in five years. And they said, people that were very satisfied equaled 
38% of the population. And I was like, 38%? Very satisfied? That means the rest of us are either simply satisfied or not satisfied. People that are looking to succeed are not looking just for satisfaction. So I think that's an optimistic thing because that means there's a lot of opportunity to rise up. Mm -hmm. And how about a favorite book? Well, then I'm going to go way back. And this is a book that really captured me when I was in high school. Sid Arthur. Are you familiar with it? Boy, I think I read it a while ago. Herman Herman Hess. Yeah. Yeah. uh, We're all on a journey for self-discovery. And I just look at the uh, look at life that way. Had a big impact on me. And how about a favorite tool? Something that helps you be awesome at your job. Every morning before I start officially working, I practice empowering my values. And then I get to choose which one I want to start my day with. <laughs> well, cool. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and, and resonate and, and folks repeat it back to you often? Well, one that really is a nugget that people really can relate to and appreciate, the better you know what yourself, the easier it is to know what you want. And the better you know what you want, the easier it is to achieve. Yes, I, th- that sounds true. <laughs> yeah, and yet, uh, and yet overlooked, you know, in terms of taking the time to get to know yourself better and then getting to know what you want better because it, what I like about that is it, it connects some very practical kind of results generating utility effectiveness type thinking to maybe more fuzzy kind of feel good introspection thinking and say, no, no. In fact, one is a, a pathway to more of the other. Buddha said this, we are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world. And when your thoughts are empowered by your values, the world becomes a brilliant place to be. That, by the way, that was my end. <laughs> that, that was me at the end. But And there's one other, per- if you were asking me quotes, I could quote you all day. There's so many quotes I love. Do you know um, the Gandhi quote about values? Uh, your I'm beliefs not sure. become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. And your habits become your values. And your values are your destiny. And then I paraphrase. When you're empowering your values, reaching your destiny is easy. And you can go beyond it. But when you're disconnected from your values, it is a hard road. And you'll never reach it to the point you want to. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Discover the wealth of values you have. Really, know them. They're tools that you can use that you haven't been using consciously, most likely. Empower them. And it will give you greater opportunity to authentically connect with people at work and in life. This works for everything, but I'm focusing it on business. Certainly. And uh, if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Barney at thechemistryfactor.com. 
www.thechemistryfactor.com. Perfect. Well, Barney, it's been a whole lot of fun. I wish you lots of luck with uh, The Chemistry Factor and, and all you're doing. Pete, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for your time. I was really intrigued by how Barney suggested actively cultivating a full repertoire of values, which is a little bit different than zeroing in on just a couple of your top, top values to guide your life decisions, but it serves a different purpose. In this case, being able to connect and have chemistry with many different people. And I thought that was so interesting how once you have that repertoire to work with, you can really connect with people on a deeper level and actually feel that chemistry. I'm thinking right now, in terms of times, I felt like folks were just had crazy, ridiculous expectations of me. It's like, oh my gosh, guy, calm down. You know, what is the deal with this? You know, it's, it's plenty good enough. And is this even optimal for us to hyper-focus on this little thing that's probably not that significant? But if I go elsewhere, I can think about how I have the value of, of excellence and how I love it. And I can think of some times associated with when we really went overboard in creating excellence. I'm thinking about an event I put together with some folks and, and we had sort of the, a standard of memorizing the names and faces and schools. They were, they were high school attendees coming to this conference in college associated with everyone who had registered. So then when that person showed up, we were able to greet them friendlyly with their, their name and, and sort of know a little bit about them. And, and folks were blown away in terms of, of the customer service experience and just thinking, wow, these guys are really on top of it because we made a killer first impression in person because most of our interactions before had been online. So anyway, that was over the top. It was unnecessary. It was more than really required, but we valued the excellence and and it showed in the event and it was a beautiful thing that uh, has continued to grow and grow and be really cool. That was the Model United Nations at the University of Illinois conference, if you were at all curious. But anyway, it, by getting to that place, I could say, okay, this guy who seems to be kind of you know, beat down on me, thinking that nothing I'm doing is good enough. He's just into excellence, and so am I. And I'm in that place where I'm, as Barney would say, empowering the value of excellence. And thusly, we can jive. We can feel a that, bit of that chemistry. So pretty cool how chemistry seemed to be almost a, a mysterious, non-actionable force, and Barney brought it there. So I hope you dug that and more. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F379. If you haven't already, I hope to push subscribe to hear from our next guest. It's Jane Ransom. Jane has unpacked some of the ingredients associated with achievement and what it really takes to pull that off. So I hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.